listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, Australia's number one weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. We're here to bring an independent voice to truckies right round Australia. On The Road is proudly brought to you by Queensland Rail, committed to improving level crossing safety through engineering, innovation and education. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. And NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. G'day and thanks for joining us for episode 84 of On The Road. It's our Easter weekend special, hitting the air a day earlier than usual, and once again packed full of great listening with Mike going one-on-one in the ring with TWU boss Michael Kane in this long-awaited clash of the titans. Anita Donlan from Beef It Up joins us to share the great work they're doing in rural Australia and giving you the chance to win a way cool Mercedes-Benz 300 Series Coupe. Tony Fulton from Tone's Tracking Stories has something to talk about later in the show. Blake Dantier tells us all about his new album and we announce the much-anticipated winners of his autographed albums giveaway competition. We'll play Blake's brand new single as well as a track from Lee Koenigan's new live album. Plus, of course, the latest from the On The Road newsroom and a whole lot more. Seriously, we've created a monster this week. So let's get this show on the road. Yes, get over that. G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24 7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Gentlemen, here it is, the one you've all been waiting for. For the B-double-weight championship of the world, in the blue corner, it's Mike the Oz Trucker Williams. And his opponent tonight in the red corner, Michael T.W.U. Kane. Gentlemen, there will be no blood on the floor, no eye gouging, no squirrel grips or Christmas holes, and definitely no rough punches below the belt. Fight to the best of your abilities and let's have a good, clean bout. Good luck and God bless you both. Ladies and gentlemen, it's finally happened. Michael Kane and I have got together on the phone to have a bit of a conversation about the state of the game, the state of play. And as we've said, we've promised there's going to be no eye gouging, dummy spitting or toys thrown out of the cot. <laughs> Welcome to On The Road podcast, Michael Kane. Thanks, Mike. 
No, no, we can keep it all civil, mate. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I said I'm not going to come after you with a baseball bat, but some of my listeners might be hoping that I would. They're in for a bit of a disappointment, I'm afraid. (laughs) We've had a bit of a conversation prior to recording, and it's quite obvious the things that I want to talk about. I've been asking these questions for a while now, and certainly some of my listeners have. Just briefly about you, though, you've been with the TWU, what, over 20 years now, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I started with the T-Dubs in uh, 1999. Mm. Please don't hold this against me. I headed up the legal department there for five or six years in New South Wales. Yeah. Then came over into the national position, assistant secretary from 2006, and then national secretary since 2018. So that's been my trajectory. I'm not a truckie. Yeah. I'm not a truckie. Mm. But I have represented truckies both um, on the ground and um, uh, legally in terms of um, you know the commission and et cetera, et cetera, for all of that time. And, and that's the kind of value that I hope I bring. I know that some people have certain views about that, but that's the way we work in these days. You've got to have an organisation that has a mixture of experiences. And we've got lots of officials, of course, that have come from uh, the industry and we draw on that experience all the time. But, yep, that's me, a lawyer and then a union official. And, of course, you were appointed to the board of uh, TWU Super in 2019. What does that involve, really? Yeah, well, that's actually really quite interesting because it's about looking at – it's quite – some detail to that job. It's a, it's about looking at um, making sure that you're maximising uh, returns for TW Super members. Uh, it's a big fund. It's got uh, 104,000 um, members, uh, and you know it involves me, for example, a couple of times a month, um, being involved in committees, looking at investments, looking at um, where we can best position the money to make it grow, and making sure that we've got in this industry, Mike. And I know that you you know this is one of your focuses uh, in this industry, which is so dangerous, making sure that there's a really good um, insurance um, policy there for them through super um, for those members, because things can go wrong, do go wrong. It's a deadly industry and making sure that workers and in the worst circumstances, their families are looked after. Mm. That's one of the key focuses of the fund as well. Yeah, well, it is a bit of a problem. I think the fact is that I know uh, figures sort of put about as it we're only really 2% of the workforce in the transport industry, but we sort of account for about 17% of the fatalities and another 4% of the work cover claims. So as you say, yeah. getting some protection is a good thing. It's a massive overrepresentation, And, you know, it's, yeah, of course, it's inherently dangerous to be on the road. We know that. Mm. But what, what we're dedicated to, and I know you are as well, um, uh, is to try and lift as many of the unnecessary undue pressures um, from the driving task um, so that people can be paid enough so that they can, you know, not have to literally go the extra mile. Uh, And, of course, the companies, transport companies, um, are fed enough money from the top of the supply chain um, to be able to be viable and keep safe operations. That's really what we're focused on. Well, that is... I'm pleased to hear you say that because I've got a quote here from 2019 after the last election where you warned that transport workers will be demanding sector-wide rates from the wealthy companies at the top end of the supply chain. They're your words. And that was in an article by Julian Blaskowski in May of 2019. Mm-hmm. And you've said a couple of times more than once that you know people should be being paid correctly. Which sort of brings me to the first question that I've got for you, the one that's really sort of been getting up a lot of people's nose and I get the most feedback about. We talk about drivers on hourly rates and overtime on the local driver award, they go and they sit and they wait in the DCs and 
It can take all day to sit there and get unloaded sometimes, but long-distance drivers on kilometre rates going in there aren't being afforded the same level of remuneration. Now, a good friend of mine and Vice President of the National Road Freighters Association, Trevor Warner, put in a submission to Fair Work Australia to make a variation to the award to get long-distance drivers remunerated for the time they sat waiting in DCs. And the union opposed it. To our amazement, the question is obviously why? What, what, why do we oppose it? I'm so bloody pleased that you've asked me this question because this, this, is a, this is a bit of a mythology that I'm, I'm glad I got the chance to answer, but also it opens up that question about the topic of supply chain, which I want to just say a little bit about. Yep. First things first, mm-hmm. I got the documents. I'm happy to send them to you. Yep. We did not oppose Trevor's application. In fact, what we said was that Trevor's application needed to be much broader. It needed to encompass uh, more of the tasks that transport drivers uh, performed uh, across um, their functions and um, uh, that it needed, to, um, uh, it needed to ensure that drivers were paid for every hour that they were actually uh, working. Now, mm. Trevor's application was... Logical, absolutely logical. I've, I've had this conversation with Trevor a couple of times directly. Right. Um, and it was absolutely logical. That is that why is it that we don't get paid for um, these chunks of work? And why doesn't the industrial instrument support us to pay these chunks of work? Hmm. And he is right, 100% correct. The, the thing that we wanted to ensure was that um, the uh, application covered enough of those non-paid functions. But importantly, we wanted to ensure that um, we didn't inadvertently um, put pressure back, the financial pressure to pay for that um, uh, time, back on transport companies and then back on drivers. What do I mean by that? Well, what we really need in the award uh, is a set of provisions that says drivers are paid for all time worked. Tick. Absolute tick, double tick, Trev. Um, absolutely agree with you. But what we also need in the award is a provision which says that the entities that pay for that are those that are the owners of the freight, the clients in the industry. They are the ones that are reaping the economic benefit. They're the ones squeezing transport operators um, to the absolute limit. And that, of course, flows down to the driving task. And what we wanted to do, and we put this to the Fair Work Commission, we said, look, uh, we wanted, we are doing and we're in the process of doing a large work value case. And we're still doing that, Mike. Mm. We're going to lodge that case uh, this year. And that will include um, uh, provisions like Trevor's payment for all-time work. But it will also include uh, provisions which tie in the top of the supply chain. So what we want what we really want is a new system yep. which directly holds those clients to account. But in the meantime, um, what we can do in the current system is we can require clients in the industry to be provided with all of the waiting time that transport companies are paying under this new regime where, where, where drivers are paid for all work mm. so that they can't say that we don't, we don't know anything about this. They can't turn a blind eye and the regulator's got the material to go in and request of them. Um, you know that these workers work this period of time, so you prove to us what you paid to the transport company mm. to make sure that the drivers were properly paid. Now, that's what we said um, when Trevor put his application on. We said, 
Um, we agree with Trevor, there should be payment for all time work, but we think that the application should be broader and we think that it should have supply chain provisions in it. And the TWU is undertaking a broader case to do just that. Right. And that was our position. And, and I think that's important context because we are on exactly the same page. It's just that we want to make sure that when we get that payment, that the pressure doesn't just come back on transport companies and drivers to uh, the economic pressure. That's what we're concerned about. So when the NRFA and Trevor and Rod Hanafy and me and others stand up and say, this is what we want to do and support you know, the things that align with the TWU interest, you'll be standing there and saying, Trevor was right, let's go ahead and make this happen. Well, we already said Trevor was right. Mm -hmm. But yes, the short answer is yes. Yep. But I also want to say, we already said Trevor was right. We never said he was wrong. Yep. He was right. It's just that it's got to be done in such a way that there's no um, unintended consequence that actually all that happens is the clients say, oh, well, if, if they're paid full-time work, then transport company, you have to pay for it. And that means that um, the transport company has to find another way to squeeze a dollar out of the workers they use. That's not good, mate. Yeah, I know that. But, I mean, yeah. as a side issue and an observation, and this is not a snide or flippant remark, it's just a statement of the obvious. I mean, if Coles, for example, were to increase the price of their bananas by a cent or a couple of cents a, a kilo, then that goes a long way towards paying the difference. And they're, they're sitting waiting in a Coles DC or a Woolies DC or something like that. Really, that's where the problem is, isn't it? Exactly, and and that's what we that's why we want a system change. Now the Stirl report has recommended that mm -hmm. we fully believe that Stirling's right on this. So do I. We need a system system change, Mike, don't we, yeah. to make sure that a tribunal or whatever whatever it's called mm. can actually impose an obligation on on the likes of Coles and Woolies mm. and say that they've got to pay the transport operators to account for all of the work that drivers do, and that's a point. I mean, we might get a change of government and Sterling might be able to put it in place. But if we don't get a change of government, mm. we've got to figure out how we do that. That is, all stands shoulder to shoulder and go to whatever government's in power and say, this is what we need. Yeah, well, I've made no secret of the fact I'm quite happy with Glenn Still being <laughs> in government and making some changes. <laughs> and that's scary, mate, because I'm in the Luke Horner. <laughs> Yeah, but Sterling... All right, we're agreeing already. I mean, my <laughs> listeners will be coming after me with a baseball bat. Yeah, I know. We better be careful here. But no, I, I, know, I know what you're saying. We'll just break off there for a second. We'll hear a word from our sponsors and we'll come back. You got me there, Andy? Yeah, Mike. Got you go. Mate, we're coming up to that level crossing we were talking about before. Looks like we're going to be stopping. Roger that. Look at the size of that thing. They tell me they take about two k's to stop. That's like 20 times the length of the MCG. Would want to be playing chicken with that. Yeah, copy that. They can't exactly swerve either, can they? They're stuck to the tracks, mate. <laughs> it's not that hard to wait till it's safe to cross and make sure the road's clear on the other side. Yeah, not like that bloke last week who forgot about the length of his trailer. Yeah, I heard about that one. It's not really funny, though, when you think about it. Poor old train driver. Probably been having nightmares ever since. Yeah, I reckon. We're all in the same boat, really, mate. Everyone just wants to get home safe at the end of the day. Yeah, not wrong on that one. There goes the last carriage. Looks like we're safe to head off now. Thanks, Mike. Long way to go. After you, old mate. This is a message from Queensland Rail reminding us that it's important to stay alert and obey any signs and signals when approaching level crossings to help keep you and everyone else safe. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. 
Well, that sort of leads us on to really sort of a question without notice. I've had a chat with Glenn a few times, and as you know, I've put in a submission to the uh, his inquiry, and I, I just love what Glenn does. He's obviously he's become the Minister for Broken Toilets and Potholes. <laughs> he's doing a fantastic job, and as I've said before on the record, I think you know, he's a man that walks the walk and talks the talk, and you know, I was happy to meet him up in Port Hedland covered in dirt and crap driving a triple road train doing some charity work. I've got a lot of time for him. Yeah, and RSRT Mark II is very definitely on Glenn's radar. Should the Labor Party be returned to power, you know, I, I hesitate to use the word safe rates because it got such bad coverage last time. But I, you're not going to get an argument out of me that what drivers and companies get paid is directly proportional to the level of safety that's employed in some areas on the road. I'm not going to get an argument about mm. that out of you either, am I? No, no, no. And look. The thing about the RSRT, you know, I know it's a, it, it, it was a lightning rod, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, but if you, if, if you sit down and think about the, the three or four things that it was intended to do, mm. um, I don't think many people argue with those things. So, so let's, let, let me just quickly have a crack at going through them. Yep. That, that all drivers, um, whether they're employees or they're independent contractors, are paid enough that they don't have undue pressure on them. So for, for um, owner drivers, you've got to get cost recovery, and that includes ensuring that you get at least a margin for your, your investment or a profit margin. Um, if, you're, if, you're a, if you're an employee driver, um, you've got to get appropriate rates. And that's the other thing on the application I'm talking about, Mike. Mm. We want to actually increase the rates for those drivers as well as the non-paid time. But, but important, so that you've, got to, you've got to have a system that does that, and it's got to do it equally across those two modes. Because unless unless you have an equivalency between contract drivers on one hand and employees on the other, then you're going to get an imbalance. And that was one of the problems of that last order that was um, attempted to be put in place by the tribunal. Yep. So you've got to have equivalent. You've got to have good rates. They've got to be equivalent for employees and owner drivers. You've got to have the clients in the industry required to pay transport companies and hirers of owner drivers enough money so that they can properly fund drivers. So it's that, it's that direct accountability that I was talking about. Yeah. And when so, when something goes wrong, you've got to have a cheap, efficient, easily accessible process for disputes mm. so that it can be sorted out. None of this having to go to federal court is bizarre. Uh, that's no good. And then the fourth element is you've got to take the compliance burden off drivers. <laughs> you've got to take the compliance burden off drivers. The solution to making our industry safer is not to go and ping drivers because they spelt a town's name wrong in the bloody logbook or whatever. The solution is that you've got to get accountability for those at the top of the supply chain. Now, the RSRT had all of those elements available to it, but it was its implementation was botched. Yes. And and this is Stirl's bugbear, which I fully agree with. It was botched because there was not enough industry input into how this should all happen. Yeah, well. So I think, I think, Mike, mm. just very briefly in summary, I reckon that the, the answer here is you've got to have a body that has those types of powers and then you've got to make sure that we don't get some officious um, judge who's in charge of implementing it, but you get um, uh, the focus of the implementation being the industry themselves, the drivers, the transport operators, um, and if the clients are going to be bound, well, they should be in the room as well because they're part of the solution. So yep. that, that, that's what I think should happen, mate. Here am I agreeing with you again. 
<laughs> it's pointless. Bloody Andy's going to have a stroke if I keep this up. <laughs> Mate, we'll just hear another word from our sponsors. We'll come back and wrap it up. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. There was one other thing I did telegraph to you was a question about some inconsistency. So there's an old case of Red Star. Now, we both know Red Star no longer trades and everything, but it's a historic case and it sort of illustrates the example. Drivers were provided with a donger to sleep in and but had to pay for a taxi to go into town and buy food, etc. Yeah. Now, drivers on a kilometre rate didn't have that same issue. And there was a case in Western Australia where the drivers on the kilometre rate being treated very differently to that in every other industry in Australia. And we're talking about the difference in drivers of kilometre rates and drivers on hourly rates and the way they get treated with meal allowances and overnight allowances, etc. Mm. Now, the TWU Western Australia Bank spent thousands of dollars arguing the exact same scenario with Lynn Fox during their EBA negotiations, and yet the National Office, as far as I'm aware, opposed those changes. What's the story there, Michael? No, no, that, again, this is, this is one, of those, one of those times where it's good to clear the air. Is it an urban myth, is it? It is an urban myth, yeah. I mean, if you and, and you know, thanks, thanks for giving me a heads up about that. I appreciate it because it mm. it means I can give you a more meaningful answer because I was able to go back and read the case, etc. Mm. First of all, we ran we ran the case internally with the union's internal industrial person. So yeah, we paid for his time, but it wasn't as if we um, it wasn't as if we were engaging uh, an army of lawyers. Um, but, the, but the point we were making in that case was that. Um, when you are doing work um, that has traditionally been, uh, and I don't, I don't like this terminology, by the way, I think it needs to be abandoned, this non-driving work, you're either at work or you're not at work. Agree. And if you're at work, you get paid. Agree. And if you're not at work, you're not at work. This artificial distinction between driving work and non-driving work has to go. Some of the ways we've dealt with it in our, in our enterprise agreements, because the award has that underpinning artificial distinction, is that we've tried to ensure that we've got rates that compensate those workers uh, for that so-called non-driving time. So we built up and we bargained for uh, in some of our um, unionised um, larger uh, companies like Linfox, like Toll, et cetera, we bargained for um, a loaded rate for that non-driving time um, so that we could kind of make sure that um, workers were getting enough um, even though our principal position has always been that there should be this, um, this distinction should go. Now, we wanted to also maintain that loaded up rate so that we could bring it back as evidence in our work value case that I was talking about earlier on because mm. we had to defend that because if we didn't defend it, then um, and, and we lost, so it didn't, it didn't work out how we wanted. But we wanted to defend it. If we had been able to successfully defend it, we would have been able to say, look, there are examples where 
um, basically um, uh, there's been an acknowledgement that drivers should be paid for all of their work. Here's one example. We defended it in the commission, and then we would have brought that to the work value case. So we we the things we do are actually are actually connected. We have the advantage of being quite a um, quite a united union across the country. That is, we've got good strong branches, but we we all talk with each other. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was it was actually a strong defence of a position to make sure that um, drivers got as much as possible for that so-called non-driving time. And then we wanted to defend it so we could bring it back and use it as evidence in a work value case. Okay. We didn't succeed, but we're going to have a crack in this work value case at, at getting to that position. Yep. Well, I'm aware we're running short of time. I do have one further question for you that shouldn't really take too much time. You're aware of what constructed dismissal is, I'm sure? Yes, yeah, yeah. So can I ask the question, and this is a question without notice, so you know, if you choose to not answer or take it on notice, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll fully accept that. But it's just that I'm just going through my emails now, and this has just come up. You know, I know you're talking to Michael today. How about this? Guys lost their jobs because they didn't want to get vaccinated. I know I certainly stopped driving quads in the Pilbara because I didn't want to get vaccinated. The union was remarkably quiet about all of that. Constructive dismissal is a well-tested and well-examined and understood thing in industrial relations law. A lot of people had their contracts varied by the vaccination mandate when they came out, and yet no one, to my knowledge, has been successful with the constructive dismissal claim. What are your thoughts on that? Look, it's really hard. I'm not going to. I'm not going to um, uh, dodge the question, Mike. But it is really hard. Mm. People have different views about vaccination. Some people have completely. Um, Important, genuine reasons, um, medical reasons, why they can't, uh, why they can't get the jab, and mm. if that falls into this category, um, then that is something that um, you know we'd be happy to assist with getting advice about. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, if it's if it's a preference um, and there's a public health order in place um, about vaccinations, then you know. All I can say is I respect people's um, views, mm. um, but it, as a legal position, um, it's not something that's going to uh, have any prospects. But I'm more than happy um, for anyone to come forward and to source advice for them about what the prospects of success would be. We've never ducked that. Yep. It's just that we've got to face up to the reality. The short story is that a public health order trumps industrial law. Oh, that is that is right. Yeah. Uh, you will not find a, a, a tribunal that's going to going to back you in against a public health order. But mm. um, but having said that, if if someone wants to see that in a piece of legal advice, mm. more more than happy to help. Okay, no worries. Well, look, we're out of time, mate. I know that you've got another engagement that you've got to get to, and I appreciate you coming on the show, Michael. I appreciate the conversation, and I appreciate the level of candor that we've had here today, and. Even though we might be on the opposite sides of the fence on some things, we do agree on a lot. And as Glenn Steele said to me, we've got to work together on the things we agree on and walk our own paths on the things that we don't. That's exactly right, Mike. And I'll tell you what, um, before I um, came on today, I, I had a look at the 10 recommendations that you that you made. Nine, no, there were nine mm. that you made um, to the Steele inquiry. Mm. And, um, you know, sorry to kind of put a pin in the cushion about um, <laughs> some of this, but, you know, I don't want to deflate the balloon, but mm. I, I can't see any one of those that, that I don't think is absolute common sense and we should be on the same page. So good luck to you. This is this is a great initiative. You've become a bit of a legend with this podcast, so well done. And I, I'd just like to say that um, everything we've spoken about today we're on the same page about and, and um, we really need to be, we really need to be standing shoulder to shoulder 
if we're going to get the change we need to keep those BMS at the top of the supply chain to account. Don't forget, Mike, your listeners, mm. we also have the the gig tsunami that's coming for us as well. Maybe that's the subject of another podcast. The mm. online platforms are coming for us and we've got to make sure there's a level playing field so they're held to account as well. Well, perhaps we can get together and talk about that down the track, mate, when you've got a bit more time. Sounds good. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Take care out there and we'll talk to you down the track. Cheers, mate. Take care, Mike. Well, that was Michael Kane, National Secretary of the Transport Workers Union of Australia. No blood on the floor. No uh, dummies out of the cot or anything like that. No spitting or weird name calling or punching or gouging squirrel grips or anything. It was all quite civilised. And I'm not surprised about that because, as I've said before, we do agree on quite a lot of things. And I look forward to talking to him down the track. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On The Road podcasts every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. Over the last few weeks, we've been plugging our On The Road CD giveaway for some autographed Blake Dantia Dry Season albums. We've got Blake on the show this week to talk about the album, and that's coming up shortly. But first, it's time to announce our winners. Thanks to everyone who entered, clearly there are a lot of truckies out there who are loving Blake's unique and catchy songs. So without further ado, congratulations go to Andrew, Greg and Adam. You're now the proud owners of an autographed copy of Blake Dantier's Dry Season CD. Plus, just because you've caught Mike and I in a generous mood, we're throwing in an on-the-road truckies cap, bumper sticker and pen as well. Let's have a quick word with our winners and then we'll be back to chat with the man himself, Blake Dantier. Hello. G'day, is that Adam? Yeah, mate, it is. Hi, Adam. It's Andy from On The Road Trucking Podcast here. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Yourself? Good, good. Now, listen, you put in an entry for our Blake Dantier autograph CD giveaway. I did, mate. Yeah, I did. Well, guess what? You're joking. You're a winner. Congratulations. Oh, beautiful, mate. Bloody river. Mike and I had a little talk about it. We're going to throw in a, an on-the-road cap and a sticker and pen for you as well. Oh, champion. Stay on the line when we're done. I'll grab your address details and we'll get it off to you. No, happy days, mate. So, trick question. What's Australia's number one trucking podcast? Uh, be on the road, wouldn't it? <laughs> you got that right, mate. Good on you, Adam. Thanks for that. No, nah, beauty, mate. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. All right. You stay safe. We'll see you on the road. Cheers, mate. Hello, is that Greg? Yes, it is. G'day, Greg. It's Andy from On The Road Tracking Podcast, mate. How you doing? All right, mate. Yourself? Good, thank you. Good. Now, listen, you sent in an entry for our Blake Dantier autograph CD giveaway. I certainly did. Well, guess what? You won it. Oh, you're kidding. Absolutely. Congratulations. That's great, mate. Thanks very much. We're going to throw you in an on-the-road cap and a sticker for your truck and a pen as well. Right. So if you stay on the line, I'll grab your address details when we're done and we'll get them off to you. All right, mate. That, that's great. So tell me, Greg, what's Australia's number one trucking podcast? Oh, of course, mate. Yours. <laughs> Damn straight it is. <laughs> Good on you, buddy. Will you stay safe out there? We'll see you on the road. All right, mate. Thank you. Cheers. Last Hello, this is Andrew. Andrew, it's Andy from On The Road Trucking Podcast, mate. How you doing? 
Oh, good day, Andy. I'm doing awesome. Thanks. Good. How's yourself? Oh, for an old bloke, doing all right. Thank you. Hey, now listen, you put in an entry for our Blake Dantier autograph CD giveaway. Guess what? You're giving it to someone else. <laughs> yeah, well, we will be, but not yours. You're a winner, mate. Congratulations. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks, mate. All good. Mate, it's a great album. You're going to love it. Yeah. Mike and I had a little chat about it, and we decided we're going to throw in an on-the-road cap sticker and pen as well. So if you stay on the line when we're finished, I'll grab your address details, and we'll get it posted out to you. So... Andrew, what's Australia's number one tracking podcast? That's got to be on the road with Mike and Andy. Damn straight it is. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. We'll get your prize pack on its way soon. Stay safe. We'll see you on the road. Fantastic. Thanks, mate. I don't want to hear you say last call, bartender. I don't want to hear you say last call, last round. You may recall that we interviewed Blake Dantier for the podcast back in December last year, and along with the chat we recorded, we played what was his new single at the time, a brilliant song called Layover. Well, it seems you all loved it, so by request, a few weeks ago we also shared with you Last Call, one of his earlier singles. Now, once again, the response from you, our valued listeners, has been awesome, and you've asked for more. So I'm thrilled to say that we're joined this week once again by the man, the myth, the legend that is Blake Dantier to tell us all about his new album just released titled Dry Season. We're thrilled to have him back on the show. Here he is, Mr Blake Dantier. Blake, welcome back to the show, mate. It's great to catch up with you again. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. Mate, it's a pleasure and I'm sure it'll happen again at some stage in the future. Tell us, what have you been up to over the few months since we last spoke? Oh, well, you know, first to have Tamworth in January, yep. but we got that postponed to April, mm -hmm. so that's coming up now, and that kind of works a little in my favour, because my album comes out on March 25, so it kind of works in my favour. We got that festival lined up. We got some other festivals in April too, which is so cool, you know, doing meat stock in Toowoomba, yep. which I'm really looking forward to because uh, it just looks like I'm going to get to eat a lot of meat, a lot of barbecue, yeah. drink a lot of beer. I was going to say a few beers with that, yeah. Yeah, and it's exciting that festivals are finally back, mm. you know. Mm. I think it's been, you know, two years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, for me anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, I think for everyone, they're all pretty much in the same boat, I think. Mate, the new album, it's a killer. There's some real variety across the track, so fill us in. Tell us all about your new baby, Dry Season. Yeah, it probably is a bit of variety because I wrote these songs over a few years. Hmm. I think the earliest one was 2018. Yeah, and then it goes through all the way till like, I think the most recent one I was Last Call, I rewrote at the start of 2021. Okay. So it's like, it's spanned over a long time. And we started recording it in February of 2020 and finished at the start of 2021. So it took a while to record too. Yeah. You know, for various different reasons, but also spreading it out helps me pay for it a little bit easier. Yeah. You know, it's just, I'm so glad that it's finally out because it's been such a journey. It's got these 11 tracks on it. They're all written by me. So this one that was a co-write. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, pretty happy about that too because I love songwriting and I'm so glad that I'm able to put forward a whole bunch of songs that I've written for people to listen to and finally get the full picture other than just one single at a time. Yeah. Now, I've got to tell you, I'm a little bit disappointed. I was reading through the bio for the album and uh, talks about your producer, Simon Johnson, and it says, together he and Blake recorded the album over the course of the year 
with the help of some of this country's slickest players. Now, I've got to tell you, I restrung the telly, I cut my nails, I was ready to go, and it obviously the invite got lost in the mail somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Simon found the players. I've told him about getting you on the album, man. I don't, I don't know what happened there. We'll wait for the next one. That's all right. Yeah, yeah of course, of course. There'll be plenty more. Yeah. Now, the track we're featuring this week is called Don't Say When. I'm seeing this theme that shows your love for a fine tipple continuing here. The story behind the song, it's about your grandfather, yeah? Yeah. Well, Firstly, about it being a drinking song. I think this will be the last drinking song to come off the album. Yeah, right. (laughs) As you know, there's been quite a lot. And there came a point where I consciously had to tell myself, no more drinking songs, all right? You've written enough. It's time to explore some different themes. Okay. You know, but it's definitely the dominant theme on this album. Yep. And this particular song, it's about sort of having a drink. You know, as you said, it's about my grandfather and... I wrote it after he passed away. He was a big lover of scotch and red wine. Mm. And so because I never had a drink with him, just being too young at the time, I wrote the song about having that drink. And, you know, it's about sort of when you pour a drink for someone and you say, say when, and it's about not saying when and kind of just having a drink for him, you know, just reminiscing, you know, it's not a sad drinking song. Yeah. I've heard that say when thing said before, but I've never actually experienced it myself. (laughs) Now, I see you're doing a number of shows with another one of our great mates here at On The Road, the lovely Jane Denham. It almost frightens me, Blake, to think of the two of you hyperactive crazies together in the same place at the same time. <laughs> Jane's the trucking queen, right? Oh, yeah. She, she is a lot of energy. Oh, it's been really fun going out and playing shows with her. Yeah. We've done, I think I've done two there so far. Mm. We're doing most of them with... Cass as well, yep. my fiance, And um, yeah, we got some up in Queensland. Yes. The end of April, yep. which should be a lot of fun. We're doing a run of three dates, which is probably the longest we've done, you know. Mm. Going out with Jane, we've done a date here and a date there, one weekend and then the next weekend, which is a lot of fun. Mm. But, you know, it's not what people imagine touring is, but I suppose it's what touring has become. But that Queensland run, we sort of get to do the old school thing. Mate, I see too, you've, you've got a gig up in Katoomba. That's my old stomping grounds up there, being a, a Wentworth Falls boy from way back. Katoomba's, we're launching the album. I sort of grew up outside of the mountains, and then I went to school in the low mountains in Blackland. Oh, wow. So Katoomba's kind of really the place for live music in the Blue Mountains. You know, there's not a lot going on outside of that. Mm. So I thought, you know, let's do it there. Let's have a launch show there. And we've got such a killer band, it's sort of... There's mostly the guys that played on the album, and I'm just so looking forward to it. Now, for those who may have forgotten from the last time we spoke, can you give us the addresses for your socials again, please, mate? Yeah, sure. It's like you just go at Blake Dantia, you know, nice and easy. Yeah. I didn't throw a music on the end or a live or <laughs> anything. Just made it my name. It's that easy to find. All you have to do is figure out how to spell Dantia. Yeah, which is D-A-N-T-I-E-R. Exactly. (laughs) Good, good. Well, folks, we've had a little bit of trouble here with the line, which has made life difficult for us. This is about the 15th call we've made so far to get it done, but we've got it done. And it's been a hoot to catch up with our old mate Blake Dantia today. Well, he's not so old, really, but you know what I mean. Blake, good luck with the album. May it go golden beyond, and many thanks for finding the time to come out and play on the road with us again. Yeah, thanks, Andy, for having me. To wrap up our chat, you've been here before, so you know how this works. Can you please introduce your song for us? Yeah, for sure, man. I'm Blake Dantier. Here's my brand new track, Don't Say When. 
Cheers, buddy. Keep it safe out there. No worries, Ed. Granddad liked a stiff drink. Straight scotch or red wine. I was always too young. But I guess now it's time. I didn't think our first drink would go down like this. In a room of sad faces gathered round a reminisce. I propose a toast to the man that brought us here. No Christmas or birthday will be the same again for years. No matter when it happened, it would always be too soon. So pick your poison, raise a glass. Say when Let's break out the good stuff That we've been saving up for something And pass that bottle round Until it gets down to nothing I ain't trying to forget I don't want to feel numb I just know if he were here This is what he would have done Christmas or birthday will be the same again for years. No matter when it happened, it would always be too soon. So pick your poison, raisin glass, and don't say when. And when that glass is empty, I hope it brings back heaven. Christmas or birthday will be the same again for years. No matter when it happened, it would always be too soon. So pick your poison, raise a glass, and say cheers to the past. But don't say when. It's Blake Dantia here, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy. It's time for That's What You Think. So what was supposed to be a three-way hookup has turned into a one-way hookup with Anita Donlan from Beef It Up Australia and myself. Tones was supposed to be here. I'm going to get some comments from him after. I just couldn't make the sound work because I'm not Andy. <laughs> So that's the way it goes. Anita, Beef It Up Australia, what's happening, mate? You're giving away a Mercedes-Benz. We certainly are. And I just want to let everybody know that we've been having a ball. And if you're not watching what we're doing on Beef It Up Australia or on Facebook, 
you're really missing out on some pretty cool things. The dream team, which is uh, Flemo and Tones and Puppies and myself, but the boys are the dream team as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> hit the road. Look, it's so vital what we do, but we make fun. We have a fun time because that's what life is all about, right? Mm. Even though there's a lot of people going through hard time, at the end of the day, what we are seeing with Tones and Flemo being out on the road is really providing a lot of hope, a lot of fun, a lot of laughter, a lot of conversation. When the camera is off, the candid conversations that we have with the people that we actually go and see is very heart-wrenching. And that's why the raffle that we're running at the moment to give away an absolutely beautiful Mercedes-Benz C300 coupe, it's absolutely gorgeous, valued at $73,000, is so vital to support because, mate, we can drive around our beautiful country and we can turn on the news or watch social media. But when you're actually getting up close and you're talking to people, you're really finding out what's going on. Mm. Right now, as we're doing this, we've got the floods. And I get a bit teary when I talk about this yep. because we've got some volunteers on the ground. One guy, Brendan Grouch from B2B Equine, he's an ex-military guy. He's up in Townsville. He's come down and he's set up between Casino and Lismore and everywhere in between. He's going out to places with a group of other volunteers, including vets and so forth, and people that are pretty good with animals, and really working with the landowners who have got livestock that are suffering foot rot and they've lost a lot of animals, you know, like cattle, horses, sheep, even camels. You know, one of the vets was saying that they had a camel in their compound at the beginning of the floods. And these people, they haven't seen any rescue teams. Mm. And if they have, it's been very minimal support because there's nothing that they can do. They're shipping in, well, they're boating in hay. Uh, It's terrible. So we've got livestock aid. So anybody who wants to support the work that we do, and we don't get government funding, we don't have a big cash pool of beautiful donors giving money to us. The way that the Australian Horizons Foundation, which we are a project of, raises funds so they can do projects in rural Australia, like Beef It Up Australia and Let's Get Rural, like Are You Bogged Mate, like the Virtual Psychologist, and a lot of other projects on the ground in small communities, is by having these really cool raffles and beautiful people supporting them. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I get a bit teary when I, because there's some stories that are just bloody horrific and that the mainstream media isn't covering. Yep. So these communities, we're looking at flood, fire, drought. There's, you know, there's drought ha- happening. You know, you probably see it on your own travels where there, it, there's some damn dry areas. Yeah. And, you know, these good people, they really benefit from what we do. So, you know, we don't have a bucket of money. You know, we don't have magic sponsors. We don't get government funding or anything like that. So the Australian Horizons Foundation we're a part of, They raise their money through these really cool raffles. We've given away all sorts of stuff in the past. And this Mercedes-Benz Coupe, the C300, is absolutely gorgeous and it's valued at $73,000. And so it's regardless if you want to have that, you know, in your driveway, you're helping out. So tickets are $20. The beautiful part about that is, you know, livestock aid, which is what we're doing with the flood affected areas and Brendan and all of the crew up there, you know, they're doing milk and bread runs, mate. Yep. Like they can't get anything. Um, and there's diesel costs. Brendan's done over 10,000 Ks in the time that he's been up there. So, you know, these guys will be presenting their invoices to us 
and the foundation will be helping them out. And that's all through the proceeds of this raffle, yep. along with a lot of other projects. And I don't know, mate, if any of your listeners will know the difference between a charity and a foundation. And if you don't mind, I would really like just to clear something up. No, that'd be great. I'd love to hear that because a lot of people wouldn't know. I don't even know what the difference is. Oh, well, there you go. You're about to learn something, aren't you? Yeah. Okay, so the difference is, is with a charity, they actually, like the Red Crosses and so forth, they run the programs on the ground. So they incur the costs. Yep. They are the ones who've got the CEOs and the flashy cars and the offices and the project managers and whatever to do. Hmm. What a foundation does is a foundation actually raises money and then they have a look at the landscape of what their core mission is. So in the case of the Australian Horizons Foundation, they're actually classified as a humanitarian society. And so they go out and because their mission is to look after the rural heartbeat of Australia, provide social and economic support, so forth and so on. What they do is they actually look, and I can't say I can't say we anymore because I'm not on the board anymore because yep. I run Beef It Up, but what they do is they look at the core communities and the core issues and the core providers that can do the projects on the ground. So that it goes directly on the ground. Yep. So there's no middleman. There's no 20 or 30 cents, you know, cut off a dollar. 100% of what is given to Livestock Aid is going directly to pay somebody's invoice of a diesel or hay or veterinary or something like that to actually help directly on the ground and that's the big difference you know and it really upsets me when people go you know charities you know i don't give to a charity give to a gofundme yeah well that's very well if you know the person who's running that gofundme and you can guarantee that that money is going where it's going to go so tones flemo and i will be heading out into all these communities as well once the cleanup is done the joke was made by Brendan that the army will be able to boat us into these places and or drop <laughs> us down in a helicopter. And I'm like, oh, no, she's right. It's okay. Yep. The Isuzu chariot that we have, which we proudly are driving around in, thanks to the support, we will use that. And we'll be going out to these areas yep. and saying good day to people. We've already got lists of people that we're talking to and lists of people that we promise that we'll go and visit. And that's what that 20 bucks is going to go towards, that and a lot of other projects. So how do we get hold of a raffle ticket now, Anita? All you've got to do is go to letsgetrural.org forward slash livestock aid. Right, letsgetrural.org forward slash livestock aid. Yep. And listeners, while you're there, if you're fans of Tones and Tones Truck and Stories and Puppies, go and check out some of the videos that we've already put up there of Tones and Flemo's antics because I tell you what. Some of it's very funny. Do you know, one of the things that we actually do, because we go out, we've got a we've got a segment called Meet the Maker. Yep. And that's all about going out to communities and meeting the people who produce food or fibre from within the community. Yep. And one of the things that the boys do is they have to do a taste test. Yes. So the boys have had to taste camel milk. <laughs> yeah. Tones really enjoyed going to a local distillery that used locally grown product. Gee, there's a surprise. He loved that. <laughs> the cracker, and I haven't even started to produce this one yet. Yeah. And that is we went to an organic fertilizer plant. Uh, all right. Hey. Do you know, they actually made a product that he could actually drink. All right. So keep an eye out for that one. That'll be coming out in the next few weeks. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's very much mental health based, mate. I'm sure it is. It's all about having a yarn and, and saying, hey, we care. Well, I've had a chat to uh, your bogged mate. Yes, Mary. She is absolutely gorgeous. And she only exists because of the Australian Horizons Foundation. Yeah, well, and, and I was pretty pleased because Fraser's gave her a bit of a diesel card or something to help her out. And we had a bit of a chat about that. 
Yep. She's a very, very, very interesting lady right out there, right up front. I love her work. Yes. Love what you guys do as well. So so we kind of, we kind of dovetail in. Because we're both projects of the foundation and both supported by the foundation, yeah, we come in on a little bit more of a different level. We're creating an online storyboard of these communities mm. because we're also encouraging people to go to a small town and be a local for the day, go to the pub, go and talk to the old boy sitting on the bench, yeah. go and find out these farm gate sales. Do whatever you have to do, but connect with our men and women and children out in rural Australia because they feed us, for God's sake. That's right. That is exactly right. I think sometimes people lose sight of the fact that the farmers grow it, the truckies cart it, and without either of us, there's nothing on the shelves at the supermarkets. Yeah, and we have seen that, haven't we? Yeah. Meat doesn't come from a styrofoam packet from Coles. No, it doesn't. As we say at the foundation, let distance not divide us, Mm. and this is why we support the trucking fraternity. Mm. We're there to advocate for as much as we can and to create the education as well Yep. and raise the awareness of the issues that are going on in the trucking fraternity yep. because it impacts directly back to us consumers. Sure does. So a Mercedes C300 coupe, you said? Yes, it is. What, $73,000 worth? Of, well, I wouldn't mind it in my driveway. We're going to go to letsgetrural.org forward slash livestock aid. Well done. Well done. And buy our 20 buck raffle ticket to get the chance to put this C300 Benz in the driveway. And how's it going to get? Where has it got to come from? (laughs) M&K Trucking are going to provide a truck or something. That's Tone's old outfit. Yeah, well, look, what's going to happen is on the 28th, so the raffle finishes at 11pm on the 27th of April. Yep. And on the 28th, we are going to be leaving Victoria. So we being Flemo, our ambassador, comedian, and Tones, and puppies, and myself. Mm-hmm. We're going to be driving up to MK Trucking. Of course, they're in Warhope. And the boys will drive the tilt tray, which Mick has kindly donated. Yep. I'm going to hijack puppies. She can be my co-pilot. Right. We're then going to head up to Brisbane where the car is at the moment in a secured facility because, you know, you don't just have this kind of car just sitting out in the open. Hmm. And the raffle is drawn at 1 p.m. on the 30th. Now, I've told the boys they have to pack a week's worth of undies because we don't know (laughs) who's going to win it. We don't know where we have to go. But as soon as the draw is done... And also, may I add, there's a second chance draw where somebody can actually go into the draw for a second chance draw to win Flemo and Tones and myself and puppies to have us at their place for a night out of laughs with their mates and family. (laughs) We provide a hospitality package because you can't have a night of laughs without any food or grog. And we are then going to drive to whoever wins it and rock up on their doorstep and go, here's your car. How how cool, because the following Sunday is Mother's Day. It's pretty special. Look, it's just one of those things that amazes me that people can make this sort of stuff happen. Well, this started out as a joke when I said to the CEO, oh, that's okay, we'll just hop in a truck and, you know, I've got a guy that can drive a truck, <laughs> funny about that, and we'll just go and go for a road trip and deliver it. And he goes, done. Awesome. And I'm like, me and my big mouth. My mum always <laughs> said I'd get in trouble. <laughs> You've just talked yourself into it, haven't you? I did. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. I appreciate the time and thanks very much for joining us, Anita. Thank you for having me. It's entirely our pleasure. I might even have to head over there and buy a raffle ticket, but I probably won't be able to win now because I've talked about it. No, you can. Go for it. Right, well, we'll see how we do. All right, mate, take care. Stay safe on the road, and we'll talk to you again down the track. 
Thank you very much and good luck, everybody. This is Adam Gibson from NTI, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, g'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. I'm sure by now you're fed up with hearing everyone's Easter road safety message. They're all saying, stay safe out there on the roads and do the right thing and all those other platitudes. I'm not going to give you the platitudes. What I am going to say to you is this. It doesn't matter where you're going. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're out on the roads over Easter, do your best to drive to the best of your ability all the time. Try and stay calm, stay in control and be aware of what's going on around you because driving is not a game. Don't get distracted, don't be looking at the phone, throw the phone in the bloody glove box of the car. Don't be talking on the phone, don't be text messaging, don't be doing any of the stupid things because it's the stupid things that could mean that you end up in your own accident, the one you cause, or someone else's accident because you're not paying attention and get out of the road. I'm going to be out there with you this Easter. I've got to go down to Victoria and do a bit of family visiting and stuff. I really don't like driving over Easter if I can get out of it, but I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be looking at what's going on, but I'm also going to be paying attention to what's going on. Do the best you can. Drive to the best of your ability. Think about your family. And I hate to say it, but stay safe. Take care. We'll see you on the road. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Wherefore art thou, Michael? Mate, uh, I'm in the road train assembly area at Biloela, which is just sort of inland a bit from Rockhampton on the Capricorn Coast. No, well, yes, nice part of the world. It is a nice part of the world, mate. It's been a lovely day up here. I've just been sitting here appreciating the glorious sunset out to the west. It's wonderful. It's been a killer, hasn't it? It has, mate. It has. It has. Well, we've got a busy show and a, a short week with the Easter break, so yeah. a bit of a news in brief this week, mate. Yeah, no, we thought we'd cut it a bit short. Yep. However, we can't continue without, of course, me updating you on my marital situation. Oh, dear Lord. Which is traditional, but... <laughs> Bride and I have had another bit of a disagreement. It's been going on for a few days. and oh. We had a reasonably long road trip planned this morning, so it was pretty quiet in the car. Mm. But at one point we passed a, a little farm and there was a paddock with some donkeys and pigs in it. <laughs> she just pointed at him and said, relatives of yours? <laughs> and I said, yep, my in-laws. <laughs> Things are still pretty quiet. Oh, I don't know how you're still alive. I really don't. No. 
Neither do I, but one may continue. <laughs> Mike, the owner of a popular roadside cafe that serves hundreds of truckies every day with his vans located along the M1 between Sydney and Taree, has been told that he can no longer operate his business during what are usually his busiest periods. Yeah, look, how tone deaf is this? Hmm. Transport for New South Wales have shot themselves in the foot yet again and they go around like just interfering with this sort of thing. Now, I was at Brown's Flat the other day and there's one of these little vans there at Brown's Flat, bought a lovely cup of coffee and that used the facilities. Hmm. You can't pull a truck up anywhere in a town. You drive through Muswellbrook, for example, there's no stopping, no parking signs all the way through town in a truck. You can't even go to the KFC and use the toilet there, right? Yep. What the hell are truck drivers supposed to do? If we can't have access to someone who's willing to put one of these food vans in a bloody parking area, hmm. what are we supposed to do? I don't understand. I mean, they say that it's interfering with the driver reviver and all that sort of stuff. I've actually been told that driver revivers aren't for truck drivers, they're for the regular punters. Well, that was my understanding. Uh, having said that, I've never been refused a cup of coffee if I've pulled up either, but I always throw a couple of bucks in a tin. Hmm. But simply put, why can't people just go ahead and do these sort of things? This guy has set all these little vans up, and the fact that they can't even get back to him in a reasonable time frame, hmm. I mean, it's craziness. These things are off the grid, they run on generators, they've got costs, and if they're forced to pack up during the busiest periods... I don't see how that's fair. And they point out in the article that one of the van locations isn't even within sight of the driver reviver. Yeah. We drive up and down and we see these signs that point into the rest areas and they've got cups of coffee on them and all that. You're supposed to be able to get a drink. Mm. You drive in there and there's nothing there. The driver reviver is not open. Mm -hmm. This bloke, they were there. They were predictable. They're reasonably priced. They're nice people. Why wouldn't that be allowed to continue? What harm does it possibly do? I really do think that there needs to be a little bit more made out of this. I think Transport for New South Wales, you know, they get a big raspberry from me. You're a bunch of bastards. Mm. <laughs> there you go, raspberry for buddy Transport for New South Wales. <laughs> well, not to mention the fact, of course, that some people prefer a decent cup of coffee to a cup of industrial roast in a paper cup. <laughs> I mean, that's all right. The truckies love them being there. Mm. And if they weren't being supported, if it wasn't profitable for them to be there, then they wouldn't bloody well be there. They wouldn't be there. That's it. And it's just nice when you're driving down the road, you're in the truck and you think, oh, I feel like a cup of coffee. Oh, old mate with his vans up here in the rest area that I know about, and he's always there. Mm. So you just drive in, get yourself a cuppa, get out, stretch your legs, kick the tyres, yep. manage your fatigue, because that's what we're supposed to do, mm. and transport for New South Wales. You go, nah, nah, buggy is all. No coffee for you. It's like the coffee Nazis, isn't it? Like Seinfeld. Coffee Nazis. Yeah. And if you want to pull up in a town, we'll give you a parking ticket like that fella got the other week there. Two or 300 bucks for going across the road to go to the toilet in buddy uh, Coonabarabin. Yeah. I mean, give me a break. Moving on along, with the price of diesel sky high around the country, there appears to be no relief in sight, making for hard times in the road transport industry. That's right. Look, the Glenn Stirl news program goes on. Mm. I didn't realise until after I'd read this that Glenn wrote it. <laughs> oh, I realised very early when I started reading it. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. The worst part about it is the more you read through it, it just sort of feeds on to what we said the other day. Mm. I mean... As Glenn says in here, we've seen the government squander billions of dollars on JobKeeper to companies that didn't need it. 
We've seen the same companies rot the crap out of them. The Liberal and National Party have always said, oh, we're the, we're the people that manage the finances properly. The last two years have shown that to be bullshit. And come and collect 45 cents a litre from every buddy litre of diesel they sell. Mm. 45 cents a litre. Well, that's not much, is it? Because, I mean, diesel's about $18 a litre now, isn't it? Yeah, it's about 18 bucks a litre. <laughs> <laughs> if you can actually get any. Yeah, yeah. What you need to do is you need to go and bend over the fuel tank with a jar of Vaseline and say, just be gentle with me. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you need to do. Oh, Glenn says, Morrison, he's all about, buddy, photo opportunity, no delivery, all talk, no action. Once again, he's shown a complete disrespect for the transport industry. And as I have said at infinitum, as I said when I was talking with Michael Kane, people are going to think I've turned into a lefty, but I haven't. Okay. The fundamental fact is that right now, the present government don't have the runs on the board as far as transport goes. They've greased every other wheel. They've done every other thing. They've satisfied every other woke thing that's come along. They've gone ahead and done all the things for all the people that won't actually vote for them. But the people that are carrying this country, they've abandoned. Price of fuel's gone up. People are going to go out of business as a result of it. Mm. Every single trucking body in this country is saying the same thing. They're all singing from the same hymn sheet. Mm. They're all saying that it's bad. How often does that happen? Yep. How often do we get every single trucking body saying the same thing about a government position? Mm. It never happens. Mm. So now that they are, perhaps that might be a clue of just how stuffed it actually is. I drove into a survey the other day and I was sitting there in my car and the guy from behind the counter eventually came out and he said, you're right, mate, can I help you with something? <laughs> I said, no, I'm just looking, thanks. <laughs> just looking? Yeah. Well... I filled my ute up the other day mm. after I got it back from the workshop after blowing it to bits. Yeah. It was empty. Mm. The, the fuel light was on. Mm. It cost me over $200 to fill my four-wheel drive up. Blimey, Charlie. It's absolute crap. You know you're supposed to put it in the tank, not in the tray, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look into that, mate. Yeah. That's pretty much us for the news. You got anything extraneous to share? Mate. Yesterday, I met a guy out at the Wataka rest area. I've sort of met him on Facebook. Darren Boyd, his name is. Mm. Great guy, a former Wickham's driver. Mm -hmm. And now he's not well and he's confined to a wheelchair for the time being at least. And he sort of started a business with his other half and they're making truck insulation curtains that go, sort of go on the windows and on the windscreens. They're full set for a 9.0, only a few hundred bucks. Okay. And they come in a bag, and I've got them in my truck now, mate, and they're bloody beautiful quality. Mm. But they're also doing a food delivery service. He's opened up his place as a bed and breakfast for truckies. They'll come down to Beresfield or at to Wataka or whatever and pick you up. You can go and have a clean shower, which is a premium, yeah. have a meal sit down and watch your TV. If you're having a 24-round Beresfield, I'm going to get them on the show, mate. We're going to have a chat to them because I love people that are self-starters. Oh, yeah. This bloke's a self-starter and he's trying to give himself something else to do apart from sitting behind the wheel of a truck. Good on him. Very good. Yeah. So that's all I've got, mate. Is there anything that's uh, sort of set your passion on fire this week? Well, up my nose to a fairly large degree over the couple of days, you've probably heard reports coming through about these great increases in road fines in Queensland. 
Oh, yeah, mate, I have. Well, Anastasia's got a shit to pay for there, mate. You've got Olympics to pay for. Yeah. You've got all that other stuff that she splashed the cash on. As you would say, don't get me started. But anyway, with these fines, the not wearing a seatbelt is doubled now. Wow. And every other conceivable fine along the way. And I was listening to the ABC radio and they were talking to some, in inverted commas, expert about all of this. Right, yep. And he was saying, oh, yeah, no, it's a great thing because it's going to encourage people to be more careful on roads. And I was thinking, really, do putting bigger fines encourage people to stop speeding or start wearing their seatbelt or stop talking on their phones? And I know it's not a new idea, but I'm a really firm believer if you've got a good driving record, so let's say in the last five years you haven't had a speeding fine, you haven't had a seatbelt fine, you haven't had an accident, yeah. you've had no misdemeanours on the road whatsoever, yeah. then 50% off your licence, 50% off your rego. Yeah. That's going to encourage people to slow down and do the right thing. After 10 years, you've got no fines, nothing, you've been a good boy, no slaps on the wrist, free rego. Right, eh? Free licence. Right, eh? The second you get a fine or whatever, yeah, you're back to square one again. Right. That's encouraging people to do the right thing. Yep. If it's something in it for me, the other thing's just revenue raising. But if there's something in it for me, if I'm going to get cheaper rego and cheaper license, yep. that's going to be all the encouragement I need to do the right thing on the road. Not that I don't, because I'm a very careful old bloke with a bowler's hat in the back window. <laughs> <laughs> It's not quite like that, though, no. but I have slowed down a little bit in my latter years. Yeah. I just reckon, you know, if you want to encourage people, you don't encourage people by taking their money away from them. You encourage them by giving them money for being good. Well, that's true, too. Yeah. The thing I find most ironic about licence fees and registration fees, mm. you're actually there paying the government for permissions to use stuff that you already, already own. own. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, but you're right, mate. Yeah, if we were giving people something back rather than threatening you know, you're all naughty children. Don't make me come down there. Yeah, that's it. That's the only response the government's got these days. Yep. What's well, the old thing? Lead with the carrot rather than following with the whip and catching more flies with honey and all that. So anyway, yeah. there you go. Thought for the week. Don't ever trust children. I have my suspicions that they're here to replace us. <laughs> they are too. Mm. That's the plan. Sneaky little buggers. Mate, I hope you have a happy Easter. All the best to you and yours. Mm, and you as well, mate. And to all our listeners. And to all of our listeners. I'm going down to Victoria to meet my new granddaughter that I've not met yet and see my daughter. Oh, how nice. Yeah. So that's where I'm going to be. I'm going to be out on the Ume in the Ute. Good luck. I hope it behaves. Well, I'll be looking at everyone and making sure they're being good. Yeah. That's what I'll be doing. That's it. Make sure you're well loaded up with chocolate stuff too. Oh, mate, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to spoil this kid, Rob. <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. It's your responsibility. Well done. It is. All right, mate. We'll have a good one. Stay safe. Thanks very much. You take care of yourself. We'll see you after the Easter period. Indeed. See you next week. Ta-da. Cheers. On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you can see who the friends of the show are and if their products are something that you are interested in or something that you may need, Please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. Hi, it's Courtney Kyle here and you're listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy.
something to talk about. Now, I got old mate Tones from Tones Trucking Stories and TruckWiz on the phone, and we have a bit of a deal going. I use the TruckWiz app, and I listen to the Australian Big Rig Roadshow on the TruckWiz app, and you can download it from the App Store, can't you, Tones? That you can, yes, on Apple and Android, or you can actually get it cheaper on the website, which is truckwiz.co. If you use the promo code BIUA, which is for Beef Up Australia, you save 30 bucks. Wow. So 100 bucks a year. Mate, that's a great thing, and I love the app. I've said it over and over and over. Oh, bloody hell, yeah. And your feedback's terrific because you're a pretty brutal man if you want to be at times. So, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, mate. I've got a rep to maintain. Oh, well, didn't you used to have an old podcast where it was basically, what was that one called? No Holds Barred. Yeah, right. That pretty well summed up what that whole show was about. I used to get stuck right into it. <laughs> Bloody oath. I'm surprised I'm still out on social media, actually, after that. Oh, it's got me buggered, mate. <laughs> so Absolutely. It was pretty brutal. Yeah. Anyway, we've been having a bit of a chat about all sorts of stuff, and you're not an owner-driver anymore, but I'm sure you've got an opinion about the diesel fuel rebate road user charge fuel excise bloody debacle that we've been seeing over the last week or so. Yeah. Well, I said in the news there the other day that I thought that whoever worked this out didn't pass third grade maths. So over to you, Tones. Give them a spray, mate. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'll give a spray, but I mean, it's sort of coincidental, I suppose, that I actually did a post 2018 or 19 about the diesel prices back then. And I was jumping up and down at the time about how much tax was on top of diesel, which is ridiculous amounts. I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head. But the fact that you've got the GST put on it and then you've got a fuel excise on top of that also. I was basing my numbers back then off about $1.65 a litre. Yeah. And that was ridiculous then for being a sustainable owner-driver or company. And that sort of crisis times once diesel got to those prices. The thing is, COVID actually came into play probably about a year later because a lot of less cars and that type of stuff were on the road. Diesel actually dropped out to get Uncle Leo's at one point. It was 99.9 cents a litre, but that stuff was pretty short-lived. Within six months, something like that, it was back up to the $1.30, $1.40 mark. And once you got outside of your main fuel places, easily your $1.50, which... A lot of people just accept as reasonable, but as we know, we've seen now diesel $2.20 and a truck effectively running at a dollar a kilometre just in diesel. Yep. So for owner drivers and subbies, that basically means with that price, you're going to work and not making any money at all. Yep. You're probably actually losing money on each trip. So a lot of things fundamentally have to change and have changed and that type of thing, but The thing that I just find absolutely laughable and pathetic, as you touched on, you know, someone from grade three math working this one out, they've gone and taken away 20 or 20 cents off the fuel excise tax to try and relieve the pressure of diesel, which has taken it down to, what, $2 a litre roughly? About, yep. Somewhere around that. Yep. But then actually went and took away the fuel credits at the same time. Yep. So really, all they've done is rob Peter to pay Paul, but make it look like they've done heaps for the people out there. But that was something that used to offset your tax as an owner-driver was claiming the fuel credits, even though it was stupid that that was the fact. But what they're doing right now is just taking away one and giving it to you somewhere else. So Yeah. I remember as an owner-driver, it was 18.51 cents a litre when I had my truck. And with the GST that you had to pay, 
the amount of money that you're talking about excise on fuel was 42 cents a litre, and then there's the 10% GST on top of that. Yeah, on top of it, yeah. Yep. I remember when fuel went over a dollar, I thought, my God, how are we going to afford to do this? And I used my diesel fuel rebate, whatever they fuel tax credit or whatever you want to call it, but it was called a diesel fuel rebate when I was doing it. I used to use that money to cover the GST from the invoices. And there were times when the cash flow sucked that badly that we weren't actually getting paid for jobs that we'd done. We'd paid the GST on the job before we actually got the money for doing the job. Oh, yeah, definitely. But at the same time, it created extra work for yourself and your accountant. Yep. And as we also know, you can miss a fuel receipt. Yep. It just plays into the lap of the government or the tax office. You're never going to win completely there, but it's still the fact that when the GST came in, what was that, early 90s, mid-90s, a bit before my time, mm. but the whole point of the GST was so there was just no other taxes. It was just goods and services tax. <laughs> For some reason, fuel, they put it in line with alcohol and cigarettes and effectively put it down as a luxury item yeah. where it's far from it. We ended up with this crap version of the GST because little Johnny needed a birthday cake once a year and John Newson couldn't explain the concept. Oh, yeah. We're just being conned left, right and centre with all these things. It's quite disappointing, but it doesn't surprise me at the same time. They're just trying to sugarcoat something to make it look like they're giving back to the people where really they created the problem to begin with. Yeah, well. That's pretty well all needs to be said about that, I suppose. It's a scenario of robbing Peter to pay Paul, like I said. Well, to me, mate, it's just a bloody cynical knee-jerk reaction to give the community a bit of a sugar hit, make them feel better. Oh, yeah. You know I'm on the right side of the fence as far as politics go, but Jesus, that rubs me the wrong way. I mean, they all do, to be honest. Mm. State and federal. Yeah. I've just got no confidence in any of them at all that they're ever going to do anything right by me whatsoever. Yeah, well... We're supposed to be a trucking show, not a political show. That's true, yeah. How did we get there? I don't know, buddy. You know how we got there? We got there because it's so bloody bad that even two busting-ass truck drivers like you and me can see how stupid it is and other people can't. Yeah. That's how we got there. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. I'm an outsider looking in. Yeah. And I know that if I still owned my truck and I was still a subcontractor for my mate Mick at MK Trucking, Hmm. we would have had to have some pretty hard conversations by this point. Yeah. Because... One, I wouldn't have been sustainable trying to pay off a brand new truck, even though I was on an extremely good rate with Mick. Yeah. With diesel prices at the moment, like I never budgeted for that in my business plan for him to get up this high. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of businesses out there and individuals would have hopefully already had these hard chats and not just hoping that it's all going to get better. Yeah. Because we all know that with trucks, money can disappear pretty quickly if you're on your ass. Yeah, well. I think that we'll just sit around and wait and see if it gets better. That strategy's not going to work. <laughs> I don't think so. No, yeah. not when the margins are already relatively small for a lot of people out there. Yeah. It's a very dangerous time, I think, trying to negotiate what to do in this scenario. Yep. All right, well, that's something to talk about, something to think about. Oh, definitely, mate, yeah. All right, thanks for joining us, mate. You take care, and uh, I look forward to seeing you out in the Beef It Up Isuzu and running around, and maybe we can catch up for a beer or a coffee or something one day and we could solve the problems of the world. Oh, yes. I'll put a bonfire on and a, a slow cooker or something like that, and we'll enjoy a couple of beers at some stage down the track. Right, eh? And go the mighty saners, apparently. 
Bloody oath, yes. I mean, <laughs> quarter time when you rang here, we slammed on six goals in the first quarter and we've been chatting here for 15 minutes. Yep. I could be a very happy man after we finish this phone call or I'll just sit back into my chair and utter disappointment. <laughs> you never know being a Saints supporter. That's one of those things to be up and down. <laughs> oh, bloody oath. But it's character building. It is. Yeah. Right over. Take care. We'll catch you later. Cheers, mate. We'll catch you. Taking us out from our Monster Easter show, from his brand new album, Live from the Denny Ute Muster, just released this week, here's the legendary Lee Koenigan with his mega hit, Backroad Nation. Well, it's road train dust on a blue track it's came it's getting lit And it's combined lights before the dawn It's a Nola Rose sunset It's 40,000 years of dreaming The heartland keeps on beating That's us flying down an old dirt road That's us driving through fields of gold Getting high on a country stage the show for another week thanks for coming along for the ride on the road is proudly brought to you by queensland rail committed to improving level crossing safety through engineering innovation and education for more information go to www.qr.com.au and nti australia's leading transport and logistics insurer visit the website at nti.com.au be sure to join us again next week when mike says Sorry, I've I've gone over the top of you. Andy says, we can talk more about that later. And our guest says... Yeah, it's amazing, dude. Until then, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. 
Sun sung towns and ancient grounds.